Hello. Hello. Industry. Industry. Hi everybody. Welcome back to Industry Tactics. I'm your loyal host, Friendly Rich. And if you're listening to the rerun episodes on CFRU every Friday night from 10 p.m. till midnight. Thank you for tuning in and for your interest, and welcome to the podcast. I've been having fun um, editing the swears on these podcasts moving forward. That's my commitment to you and your gentle ears. If you're a little more daring and want to check out the swears in full effect, subscribe to the podcast and tell all your friends about it. Industry tactics. What a joy. Uh, to be producing the and, and just having these interviews, reconnecting with musicians that I may know or not know. Um, today on the podcast, go go deep with this guy. This is Rob Higgins from the Dearly Beloved, uh, formerly of Change of Heart, and um, uh, amazing musician in the city of Toronto, in this country. Um, we talk about all kinds of things. Their new record, Dearly Beloved, just put out a record walker park we talk about sonic onion and their relationship going way back um boy we get into some weird nooks and crannies talking about the higgins fantasy index and writing a book about uh fantasy hockey some strange uh you know like nursing a sparrow or just spending time with a sparrow in his house uh we talk rick vive walter gretzky and of course portugal the dink um, so thank you again for, for, for tuning in. If you want to learn more about my music, thank you uh, for everyone who's been so cool and supportive of the two singles we've released coming uh, soon. My new record, Man Out of Time, launches at the end of this month. It's getting uh, great feedback from people. So thank you for, for your love, and I hope you'll pre-order the record at FriendlyRich.com. Here it comes now, friends, my awesome discussion with Rob Higgins. We're going for it. Name that film. We're it's very clean now. We're gonna stay home. your title for your podcast. There it is. Episode. W- it's very it, clean now. We're off to a great start here with Rob Higgins. In a beautiful space, I will describe it to you. To his left, a drum kit. Gear, gar, like a really nice studio setup with, what kind of wood is this that we're facing? Oak. Oak on both sides. Yeah. Beautiful studio. How old is this studio that we're in? Like, how long have you had it? How old? Terrible. How old is it? It just turned 13. <laughs> Happy we birthday. We just had it bar mitzvah for it. It's a, it was... Um, <laughs> We're very proud. Yeah, yeah. Um, you should be. It's beautiful. No, it, it was. You know, the truth is. Mm-hmm. Um, welcome, by the way. Oh, thanks. Well, welcome. I'm in your studio. Well, well, welcome to the saying, podcast. Welcome to you. To welcome my to home. the podcast. Yes. Thank you for having me on your podcast. I'm honored to be on your podcast, and I did not hesitate uh, upon receiving the invitation. Amazing. So, We're here. So thank you. I love that. Um, Right, so the birthday of the studio. So really what happened was I, I, I managed to get my hands on this house, as yeah. I told you earlier off microphone, that um, 
we were being evicted by our landlord from this house because he wanted out of the racket that yep. was the Toronto real estate game. Oh, God. And so, as luck would have it, we, we scratched and clawed our way to privately obtaining this property from him yep. um, by borrowing all of the money. And, um, and then I just immediately just tried uh, experimenting with sound in every space in the house. So, the studio, oh, wow. it, it's wound up in this room, but... It started um, as the entire third floor. There was a, like a small room up there that became a control room, and the bigger room oh, was wow. a live room. Okay. Um, and then, and then later, um, I saw an episode with Daniel Lanois on on, mm-hmm. on uh, the internet of mm-hmm. something where it showed his setup on the main floor of his home. I don't know if it was his home. Yeah. Um, but his stuff was there, and. And I was inspired by that to then not have really like a regular home. And I just turned all of my living space into a studio. This is insane. It's amazing. It it was so wonderful for a good uh, year or two. The whole main floor of the house was just like a drum room at at one end and then control room somewhere else. And we had cables running everywhere to the basement. So there's been multi configurations. But right before the pandemic, I got into this one room thing. Okay. And I was doing a lot of work with myself mm-hmm. or with one other person and mm-hmm. not really in the context of, of a big band situation. Yeah. So it, yeah. the workflow became more about oh, yeah. how do I make it easy for myself to make an entire song yeah. from start to finish yeah. using yeah. Yeah. Um, the stuff I'm familiar with Yeah, and record it in a way that – and this is where I, I find myself – um, Lucky's because I've, I've yeah. got a friend named Rob Sanzo. I don't oh, know yeah, if you know sure, who Rob Sanzo Sure, I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he's a great guy yeah. and a great friend. And oh, neat. I feel really blessed to have him in my life as a friend. Oh, great. And so when he um, lost his studio, Signal to Noise, which was a I place remember I that. used to record okay. at. Okay, I didn't know this. Amazing, yeah. amazing. Yeah, well, the very beginnings of Dearly Beloved went through Signal to Noise oh, because sick. when I first got like a few bucks from this little label we were working with in the beginning to go make a record, yeah. I just gave it all to Rob and said, how much time do I get with this? Wow. And uh, we we burnt him out in... Um, <laughs> And his engineer, I mean, not Rob, but the engineer that we were with, we had, I think, 13 days in his studio in total. Fun, fun. I think by day three, they had just given me the keys and they were like, okay, you just come and go when you want. Because I was working till like four and yeah. then going back at like nine, 10 a.m. and doing that repeatedly. That's and your, that's your, that's your It flow. was like yeah. workaholic time. And yeah. We were, yeah. <laughs> we were loving that. And yeah. uh, so, you know, the beginnings of, of, this, this project the beloved's thing yeah. really goes through Rob Sanzo and signal to noise and then when he lost that studio um, it just so happened that he you know he was like how about we put some of the gear in your your space okay and so a lot of this gear in this rack actually belongs to Rob Sanzo you know these old oh, AP, yeah, these great. API pre's great and, great great and great I've been adding to it um, as time's gone on, so well, let's cut to some of your recording from the thirteen days of workaholism. What, what, uh, what, what, what did that become? That that signal to noise stuff. Do you, do you have any of that we can cut to? Uh, well, it did. It, it is a kind of a long story in a way, but uh-huh. um, this is a long format. So I guess I the guess floor we, is yours. I guess we literally, can go there. Yeah. Um, 
it was the second record for this project, and, okay. and it was going to be called Repo, Repo, Repo. I made the first record on my own, just walking around town with a hard drive, going from various places, recording with various people, mm-hmm. kind of just... That's a fun way to do it. It was. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah. it. At the time, people didn't think that's how you made a real rock record, so I kind of caught some resistance, like some attitude here and there from folks about how I was making it. Like, what do you mm. mean you're just collecting stuff on a hard drive over time? Like... Yeah. You're supposed to go to some place with a band, rehearsed, yeah. and right, lay it right. down or whatever. That's the only way. That's the only way you can make a good record, right? So um, yeah, folks yeah. thought I was a bit, um, I don't know, um, I guess odd for, for going yeah. about it that way. And, yeah, yeah. And it just it just felt like a means to an end to me. I just wanted to make music, and th- mm-hmm. these were the the means that I had to do so. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I didn't have a band, and I didn't have like all that stuff to you yeah. know. Yeah, didn't have resources, so I had a hard drive though, and I had a computer, and I had friends, and so put all that together and we made a record and it was the first record and I still love it, but it's a very scrappy yeah. recording. Yeah. So the second record, yeah. Um, someone actually gave me some dough and they're like, Hey, you know what? I bet if you had five, 10 bucks, you could yeah. probably make a decent record. Yeah. So here it is. Yeah. I gave it to Sanzo. We made the record and we were about to put it out. In fact, we did put it out through a very small label here in Toronto called Kindling Music run by a guy named Jake Gold. Okay. Yes. Uh, you might know Jake from like his Canadian Idol days, yeah, manager yeah. of the Tragically Hip. Yes, yes, yes. And, um, and he, you know, he was great and very supportive oh. and, and, um, and we put the record out. But then I had the opportunity right after doing so to have it released by um, Rounder Records in the U.S. Oh. And so the whole process sort of got paused and we worked with Rounder on sort of re-releasing it in a bigger context okay including the u.s and so fun that that 13 days where um you know they got sick of how long we were working and just handed us the keys and let us basically run the studio for for a couple of weeks turned into this um release that that um Went out through through a label that, that I have a great deal of respect for and rounder and, and right it was, on. was a fantastic experience and and um, to this day very thankful for for what that time afforded me I could, in terms of you know the opportunities to get better at all of all of that stuff yeah. including yeah. Like, you know making records and putting them out and touring and and, and one led to the other like the the Toronto. Like doing it through Jake Gold led to Rounder Records. It like did, the, yeah. yeah. It I just like happened to be line. an organic yeah. um, circumstance where, uh, or set mm. of circumstances where I met John Verant. Yeah, um, we had a good conversation. Wow. I told him about the thing. Yeah. He was like, "Well, why don't you send it to me?" Yeah, and I sent it to him, and uh, he liked it. And he said, "We should talk about putting it out." And wow. Wow. I was, I was at the time working on a book with Simon and Schuster about fantasy hockey. <laughs> and I don't. I, I, okay. I, uh, as we do, I guess. I don't know even know what to say to that, but okay, yeah. I'll go with it. I'll go with it. That happened, right? So it was a it was a time <laughs> when I was trying to coordinate releasing this record through Rounder. Yeah. At the same time that we were releasing a book about fantasy hockey with Simon and Schuster. Did this book come out. It did. It was actually a Global Whoa. Mail bestseller for a minute what there. The? Whoa. Yeah. Actually, come over here. I'm I'm tethered here. I'll I'll watch. 
He's this walking is, across. This is actually oh. A of the Globe and Mail. Oh, sick. Sick. Okay, I gotta photograph that. I, remind me after. I'll take a couple I photos just, here. I That's just really showed, beautiful. I just showed. If you don't mind, Rich, the, the yeah. pointing. The, the clipping from the Globe and Mail. Oh, that's special. That's that, special. That, that, uh, oh, wow. They, they uh, sent to me. Yeah, it was a... It, wow, that, 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 that was a... Well, the podcast is called Industry Tactics, so we're going to get into it. The idea that we're not just necessarily musicians, that you have... That, that there's this whole other set of hats. You're a creative, and that... We'll get, we'll get into that. That wasn't on my bingo card, but I'm really thrilled that you wrote this book on fantasy hockey but let's cut to one of the tunes from this second record oh okay choose your own adventure what's the tune well i guess the the song that i guess people know from that record is a song called candy coated okay it's it's sort of uh i mean we still play it Um, yeah good good so um I guess that might be a thing. Let's do it. All right. Candy coated. Fucking name Cause that's the only reason that I care 
So you you recorded that thirteen days that was candy coated from the first from the second record. Second record, it was like as I said earlier, we had a few bucks, so we yeah yeah block out this time and did things because we had control and complete lockout of the studio. Yeah, when we recorded candy coated, for example, we went to the candy store, bought yeah. as much candy as we could afford, spent all of our money. You're and, weird. And we we covered that and don't tell Rob. Rob shouldn't know this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but we covered that entire studio, including the SSL console, which is a very expensive yeah. item, yeah, uh, in a lot of candy. Now, nothing that would have gone inside the, that machine because we had right. great respect for the studio. Right. So, like Tootsie Rolls, but not like nerds. gumballs. Yeah, gumballs. Tootsie Rolls. Good, good things that good. could sit. Uh, Twix. Twix that could sit. Be a, a Twix. Yeah, the Twix actually would have worked. No fizz whiz though. No nothing fizz with like a sugar coating. Yeah, you couldn't okay, have good. a sugar very coating. Very respectful. See, this is how you do it. You want to you want to have fun, but you don't want to be disrespectful or what was hurt the anybody idea else's livelihood. Were you shooting a video, or was it no, to we affect just, the sound? You were fucked. We were just out of our fucking minds. We. That's amazing. I'm not going to say that. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to say that that drugs weren't involved. Right. Right. But I'm not going to say that they were either. Okay. I'll just say that you know we were having as much fun as a band would want to have when you have a studio to yourself and you've been dreaming about this mm -hmm. your whole mm -hmm. fucking life just mm -hmm. getting in the studio mm -hmm. and being able mm -hmm. to be free no yeah, there you producer are. no no the label just said you know just freedom. here's the 10 bucks just go yeah. do your thing yeah. so it was complete freedom and i was with friends i wasn't yeah. with anybody that made me feel uncomfortable I, there cool. was complete cool. trust and and freedom in that studio. That's so nice. I think our our inner freakdom just yeah. felt comfortable flying however it felt. Can you talk about the band and your relationship with them and just you say that they're friends and and that evolution, I don't know enough about that your relationship with mm -hmm. the members in the band and how special that is. Well, in the beginning um my my dad had just passed away, so mm. that was the only reason I started this thing to begin with, just because I just needed an outlet for that time. It was like, you know, I was in, in an emotionally yeah. vulnerable place where... Dearly beloved. Yeah. yeah. Because he had just passed. It was like 18 months of jeez. in the hospital with jeez, him. Jeez, he jeez, was battling, jeez. you know, the thing that, that gets a lot of us these days. So okay. um, yeah. he was, you know, in his struggle and yeah and uh Man. it was i didn't you know i didn't want to take that out on anyone in, in increments over the rest of my life or have to immerse myself in therapy or, or whatnot i i wanted to find a more productive way to deal with the things and yeah. all i knew was starting a band that's all i'd ever done oh, since yeah. i was like 14 it was like start a band put whatever shitty energy you have into that but make it rebellious and joyful and fun Okay, good rules to. That's just you know it's like yeah. we, you know I've never written songs when I was all that happy. I was more about like when I have something difficult to deal with. Yeah. Instead of having that conversation with someone else and putting it on them, I'll just you know find a way to go to a place and create a world for it to exist. Yeah. And sometimes that you know turns into a whole record. And, right. Um, so in the beginning, the only people I worked with were my closest friends. It was you know Neva who's yeah. been in the band since day one. Yeah, wow. And the only person. Um, and at the time, Mike Max, who's a drummer from a band called Cursed. Yeah, And yeah. Uh, Sandy McIntosh, who's a guitar player from a band called Tristan Psionic, who there I you, played with. There you go. Whose who's partner in that band is now the owner of the label I'm with. 
now, Sonic Onion. So that's we know him. Tim Potichik. Tim Potichik. Tim Potichik. Potichik. I'm not sure, Tim. How you Tim Potasik is how I. That's how I used to pronounce it. A shout out to Tim, who has been a a great supporter of mine over the years. He yes, amazing. Shout out to Sonic Onion and the DIY spirit that is alive and well in Hamilton. Oh, a great a great community that they've built out there. Yeah, and you uh, got to respect that. That's a lot great. To be I'm proud of. That's right. I knew the new record was out on on Sonic Onion. That is really cool. Wow, your so that your whole universe is linked to all these people. You just like mapped out. That's cool, Rob. I mean, I I was lucky in the beginning to to play bass for a band called Change of Heart, and that yeah, yeah. opened me up to meeting. Right. People like Tristan Sionic, who we go. are opening band for on our very the very right. first tour I ever did. The very first tour I ever did oh, in my life. Man, this is good. Had Tristan Sionic opening and Change of Heart, the band I was in, headlining, and we toured Canada right. together. I remember that. So you do not. Yes. Oh my god. Of course. You, me, and twelve other people. Yeah, come on. No, yeah, no. I mean, the, that's wild. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, that's how deep those roots go. That wow. was my very first tour was with Tim. Wow. And what was Tim? What was, he was Tim? The drummer of, of Tristan. Of Tristan. Okay. Yeah. So, and was that that was Sonic Onion was around then, right? Like that, those were. I think in the. Or was I it think just it was. Kinda, I think it was just the beginning because they started it for the band and themselves and whatnot. Unreal, unreal, unreal. And uh, and then when Change of Heart, um, <clears throat> did you know broke up, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, the Tristan guys were like, "Hey, you want to make a record?" And I was like, "All right, sure." So we made a record together called "Mind the Gap." Sonic Onion put it out, and we okay. toured together as a band in a van. So I also know Tim in that context. Okay. Yeah, it's fun, eh? It's fun, like aging with. It's like twenty five years making music and marking it. You're marking all of these moments with them by putting out these little creative projects. Well, that tied into the name you know. too at the beginning. Like yeah, the yeah. the place I was in was dark, so the dearly yeah. beloved thing was just like a dark thing. Yeah, but it was also like I I'm not going to ever have a band. The, okay, I'll, I'll like I knew it even then. You how don't consider it completely how unrealistic. It's it not. Would, that's not the fun of it. Unrealistic it would be for me to keep some yeah. group together of yeah. people. It's just no. I, I knew that was just never going to be a thing, and I needed an outlet for myself that yeah. I could count on to be there. There you go. And so, the name just sort of said it all. Like, yeah. uh, whoever's around that that wants to make some music, you know, maybe we can make some music together. Okay. And if we have fun, maybe we can go do a tour or something you never really took it seriously like yeah. this is a band and it's going to have to take over the world so we're going to need to be um soaked in that sort of um what would you say that uh the archetypal uh, image of a of what a band is yeah yeah it, that was never a blueprint or any point of reference where. You so know. the design for you is more because I agree. Like bands always have one thing in common, usually, unless you're the Rolling Stones, they usually break up or end up a little bit wonky as they go as they age. I just saw There's it from few, firsthand that, that yeah, the band dynamic tough. is it's really, really hard. Tough. It's really hard. So that wasn't for you. So you found your. You knew that. You found that. You're like you designed it. Dearly beloved could be. Uh, you know, a twenty-piece chamber ensemble. If you if, at you, any if you dream that up, okay. Yeah, okay, at any cool. moment, why not? Exactly. And people would say, "Well, exactly. but how is that consistent? How will you play your back catalog?" I don't know. 
Wow. Who fucking cares? Yeah. Good question. I mean, let's find the and answer. And why don't we find out? What, <laughs> why don't we? What if the twenty band yeah. orchestra, yeah. twenty piece orchestra, play yeah. it? Yeah. Wouldn't that be cool? Yeah. yeah. So I, I I've cool. always felt from day one this kind of resistance. Well, who's in your lineup now? It's yeah. not a real band. Who's in the lineup now? Yeah. And it's like, yeah. Huh? What? No. What do you, What do you mean? Like, who's so long as you keep adding water to that name and that concept, it survives. And I think it's cool that it shapeshifts. That's not like it was by design just that. for survive. It was a survival yeah, yeah. instinct. It yeah. wasn't some yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. artistic statement. It was just survival. Yeah. Like the only way this will be able to be here for me when I need it. Yeah. Is if it's designed to be this. Who are you? Who are you modeling that after? Have you seen that in a prior artist that you're like, I could that that's more me instead of the Rolling Stones, let's say. Actually, you know, I don't think there was a specific reference. It just felt like uh, necessity, okay. having just gone through the change of heart breakup. Right. right. And right. That's where you were at that time. That's where I was. Right. So yeah, yeah. I was. It was a reaction, likely yeah. to a recent set of circumstances hmm. or experiences. Hmm. You know, as most things are. Yeah. Yeah. You know, would I name yeah. it that now? If, no, absolutely not. Would I yeah. start? Yeah. Would I start that band now? No, I probably wouldn't. Yeah, it was that. You know, it was a thing then, and and I knew that the only way it would last for me is if I let it be whatever it was going to be. And I've uh -huh. never tried to force anything. And I yeah. feel uh, happy that folks have played with us and then gotten offers to go play with bigger and better bands where they actually made money and and sure, did. Sure did more worldly things i yeah. think that's fantastic yeah so that's exciting yeah. it's exciting to be a part of just that universe that you're kind of it's your it's your world right it's like it's hey man this not is to like sound a... too ego it's not an ego thing but it's your world that you've you can you got into this thing to shape it and be creative and have that freedom right i had been in some other situations yeah, and yes. I, I i was like okay I, you know when it feels wrong Right. right. Yeah. 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 And yeah. I'd been in some situations that taught me stuff. And so yeah, I, I wanted to apply those things. And that yeah. was an opportunity to do that. And for better or for worse. There right? you go. I mean, because not all the results are whatever. Right. But uh, so. But it was honest. Yeah. Yeah. That's the main thing. And that comes off in, in where you're at artistically, you know, like that. And, and it should, right? Like if you're, it, it, it is reflected in the output. We got to remember that too. It's strangely, this is like this new record, Walker Park, is yeah. like the seventh Dearly Beloved record. And at no point did I, you know, was I along, you know, along the way going, okay, now we're at four, you know. Oh, let's get to number five. Yeah. You know, there was no... There was no counting. It was we That's wild. really just kind of had our heads down, yeah, and and trying to just keep making music to yeah. to cope and yeah, like you know, like anybody else, yeah, and, yeah, and uh, and it just kept going. We just kept getting opportunities to keep expanding the experience, and then suddenly it did feel like maybe we were coming like a real band or something, and then you know because you know yeah. That can happen accidentally. Maybe because like suddenly, we, which is know, fun. We had like a manager all of a sudden. And yeah, like people were like actually yeah. cared about what we were doing. Yeah, and um, go figure, eh? You were trying so hard to not <laughs> make it a band, and fuck, what have we done? No, you know, it was wonderful cute. because it, you know suddenly we were like yeah. playing in Europe. Yeah, and, I saw uh, that, and um, and we were working with a cool guy in, in mm -hmm. the music 
world sort of dude who yeah. who could make some stuff happen, and we found ourselves on a couple of cool tours and mm-hmm. and um, and yeah, we we've, we've been playing music with the the same group of folks for quite a while now, and and we've had some shared experiences that span a number of countries and, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. continents and and so that did feel kind of like are we like a real band now like yeah. i don't know maybe yeah. we, maybe we just never will be yeah. and that's fine too yeah 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 you you used the word cope earlier when you spoke about like why you do all this basically um how it's a cheesy question but i'll ask it anyway how has music played that role in your life of helping you kind of process or just get through cope oh man i mean how far back you want to go well i mean you 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 talked about forming a band i mean you almost you almost answered that question as as best as i think you could through through your father's passing right i mean it was pure catharsis you know i felt so um lucky because i have friends who don't have a way to cope yeah and so they turn to other things, right? And uh, right, and it comes out yeah. in other facets of their lives. Yeah. yeah, you know, I felt fortunate to have a place to put that energy where it's like, okay, if I put it here, there's less likelihood I'll take it out on anyone else in the world. You know, yeah. in some passive sort of incremental way. Yeah, that's that's how I felt at the time. Was I mm. didn't, I felt shitty, yeah. and I didn't want to. I felt contagious, contagiously shitty. Yeah. And I didn't I didn't like that. And yeah. this gave me a place to put it where I felt if I put it here, yeah. it's not gonna get anyone else. Wow. And then maybe from it someone else will find something yeah. maybe, who knows? I mean There I, you go. I didn't really care at the time. I was just trying to do the thing. But yeah. like yeah. how wonderful it would be if somebody else was going through something that you know And when you go at it with that kind of with that backdrop are you worried about like uh just like accessibility or or what people are going to think or do you, you you don't have them in mind as you're getting through it and creating with that kind of like so many people come from that point of why they need to create so it's a it's a weird one I, that I just put to you but are are you worried about that are you worried about like yeah, if I'm honest with you, yeah, yeah. like I, uh, especially this new record because mm-hmm. I spent so much time alone. Mm. Like it's a pandemic record. It's a pandemic record. Made in this, through. made in this room. Made in this room by that window. I can, by if you and window. I went through the record track by track, I yeah. could, I could just tell you about the moments of that window that pretty much every song is about. Like there's a song called Let's Make This Easy and it's all metaphoric about birds and the wardrobe and all these items. It's like a skinny legs and all in, in song form. Okay. Yeah, there you that go. reference yes, means anything sure, to you. Sure, sure, sure it does. But like that book had a huge impact on yeah. me. And okay. so I, I found myself personifying things all oh, the yeah. time yeah. in songs. Yeah. You know? And okay. they would you know, like yeah. I'm the wardrobe and yeah. someone else is the fucking whatever. Okay. And okay. so that window right there that we're looking at, that became the the portal Whoa. to it all. Like okay. the whole record was basically written at that window. It's a pretty sweet window, dear listener. It it's got um wood, oak. And some glass. It's and it's some, got wood and it goes in about a, what, a half a foot yeah. in. 
So it's a what would they call that sub? Sub. I don't know. Sub, uh, you could submarine? almost sit on. You can almost sit in it. It's like a submarine. It's a submarine portal. It's like a a window, submarine shaped window. It's beautiful. Um, it's beautiful. Yes, yeah. So you know, and I gotta say, so to yeah. finish that thought, like yeah, yeah, going through all yeah. those things, and like when you write a song about, you know, like this song was about a sparrow that lived with us for three years. We found a baby sparrow on oh, the front Oh, listen stoop. to this. Do tell. We okay. love birds on this podcast. We, we found a baby sparrow that was just a few days old on our front stoop sitting in the rain about to die. Like just ready. Ready to die. And so I was like, what do I... Okay, I got to bring this thing inside and try to keep him alive. A couple of days doing what I saw on the internet in a box, keeping it warm. Yeah. You know, he survived a few days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, it yeah. wasn't looking good. And yeah. I tried taking him outside to where his... Yeah, his his family was from what I could tell. Yeah, yeah. And and they were coming check it out, and, oh, and really? basically did nothing about it. Just came to check him out, and then they would take off. They're like, "You're done." And as I as I was leaning out the third floor window ledge, uh-huh. holding this bird close oh to the tree as I could, another awesome. baby bird fell out and landed on the ledge in front of me. No joke. <laughs> and I thought, like, what is this? Some like. Like, what is happening right now? Yeah. And so I, I grabbed, I ran inside, I grabbed a, a broom and, and, a, and, a, and a, a dustpan. Yeah. And, yeah, uh, yeah. and I did one of these yeah, yeah. on the ledge and yeah. swept the little, the second bird into the dustpan. Now I had two baby birds. The, the first one passed away that night. Okay. The second one grew to maturity and lived with us for three years as a, as a, as a pet, as a friend, wow. as Listen a completely domesticated sparrow Wild. that would, that would live in this house completely free, no cage, no door. We had a we gave it a, a bird Serious. a bird house. We went yeah. and ordered like an aviary. Yeah. Yeah, okay. But we never closed the door on it. We never helped put our hands on the bird. Okay. Like 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 Yeah, 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 like, yeah, yeah. You know, like yeah, you yeah, would yeah. like a yeah. giant like King Kong holding yeah. that woman. Yeah. We never did that. We just let her have her <laughs> You know her autonomy, great. Right? And she lived with us for three years. What was like it? What was her name? Bruce Lee Beverly Hills Bird. I'm glad I asked. And if you're really interested, I mean, she has a, an Instagram page that we kept Please. during the whole time, so you can see. Like, can, the, can you share that at what? What is the handle there? Bruce, at Bruce Lee Beverly Hills Bird. Fucking hell! And so you'll see videos of like. Using um, cocktail uh, umbrellas to to feed her bird seed, like her very first meal. Yeah, you know her very first. Oh, you documented flight. this thing. We okay. documented this the whole thing. This is really thing. wild. Yeah, yeah. Literally. We we loved her so much, and uh. Uh, and then she got out one day and she never came back. Okay, I mean, even better. I mean, kind of Kurt Vonnegut like there, guess, right? Like, you know, good, good. You know, that's what people kept trying or to tell me. Not really, but yeah. I was so concerned about her, but people made me feel better by saying, yeah, you know, well, you yeah. Know, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's a bird. Yeah. So um, oh, we cool. did our best to, to care for her. And How did she get out? She went out of an open window? Door, or a, we had an old, it's cool. old door. The door, it's the door cool. fucking swung open and she got out and it was just all an accident. It's it a great story. You must have been sad. I was yeah. so sad. Yeah, yeah. but it's a great story. Off. Oh, I bet. Aww. It was it was the worst, but yeah. we <laughs> take comfort in yeah. in knowing that when she was here, she had a great life. I'm she so happy that you're telling companion. this story. Yeah, yeah, and um, and <laughs> it, it really changed my whole outlook on on um, 
on some some animals and birds. And is she creatures. on the record? Is she on this record? Like no, but the you, story was when I was writing. Let's make this easy. It yeah. was at the window. I was looking okay. at the tree. Okay. As a result of her living with us for three years, the neighborhood sparrows became this is their hangout. So she would sit at the window, and what? like forty sparrows would line up at our window, oh. and they'd all just hang out, and they'd look at her inside, like, "What the fuck are you doing in there?" Yeah. And we go outside, and we start feeding them. Yeah. So here we are, years later, and these yeah. birds still come to our house okay. for food every day. That's cool. So we feed them with a feeder. That's cool. And I was sitting Great. there watching the birds, thinking about her. Yeah. And, okay, there you go. There and, you right, go. and as I was thinking about her, and I'm watching the sparrows in our little tree down there, and and you know, I Let, just, let's cut to the tune. All right, the song's called "Let's Make This Easy." It's uh, from our new record called Walker Park. Tug at the stitches and eyes Watch from the window and wide Thread count, head count Tell me no lies Long as roses still grow on the fire Let's make this easy make this easy what a touching tale you're from walker park the new record from dearly beloved you're making this so easy this conversation really? you're yeah i don't have any podcast experience really i don't really you know what neither do i it's so beautiful <laughs> um you you wear many hats as a creator you you music is the the core the you know the nucleus of the whole thing, but you've written a book. I uh, did, yeah. That that was hard. You talk about that and some of your other creative pursuits in the 
periphery sure. that you that you've been touching on or expanding your your world a little bit? Well, I only got the opportunity to do that book in the first place because of Dearly Beloved. The irony, yeah, you gotta love that. The irony is, is that we were invited to play at Sirius XM's The Verge, okay, in studio. I'm not sure if you're yeah, familiar with yeah, that channel. Yeah, sure. So at the time, they had a studio here in Toronto at Avenue Road in Davenport, a mm-hmm. corner building with a lot of glass in the mm-hmm. side, so you could see kind of what was going on there. Yeah, and um, we were invited to play as Dearly Beloved. It was our first record, wow. the one I told you about, where we went yeah. on the hard drive. Yeah, um, and we had booked a forty show in sixty day tour with Corey from the Trailer Park Boys and his band Aide de Camp, and so we booked this national tour, completely independent. Corey's band, our band, we're gonna, our first record. You know Corey then, like it's is well, it, we toured country to the country together, so I know him that way. Like I, you knew him before though, like you hooked that up. That's I really cool. How it started. That's I think beautiful. it was I think it was we had played a show out there on okay. the East Coast. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it was proposed by Corey. I fucking love this. And someone else that we do some shows together. Don't you love how it's all interconnected though? Like you're about to walk us back now to the fact that you got a book deal out of the music. It's all interconnected. Out of all this. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Because Fascinating. We, had, we had booked this 40 show and 60 day tour, which yeah. was pretty audacious for two bands that had just started. Wow. That really, you know, like we yeah. had no yeah. resources. Yeah. yeah. Um, and over the course of the tour, I think they, bro- I think they broke up on the last day of the tour. Not to talk. now that now that is a story. Not to you know, it's really not my place to tell it. But like you just th- did, those are the facts. That's cool. That like over That's the cool, course though. of that tour, yeah, you know, it'll I, do it to you. I think I think they went through a lot of stuff yeah, that yeah, ended yeah. up leading to the demise of their band. And Oof. for us, it was it was equally challenging. But um, yeah, yeah, we no managed kidding. to survive, thankfully. No kidding. And uh, and because we had done such crazy stuff, we actually got a lot of press from that. Yeah. From that record, we put out this record awesome. and then booked this crazy tour. So people were writing about it because we yeah. were playing so much. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then we got the invite to play at Sirius XM, The Verge. And when I was in there, yeah, yeah. Um, I noticed a, an NHL hockey logo on another studio. And I, I said to the, the music person, I said, what, what, what the fuck is yeah. happening there? Yeah. And he said, well, that's the 24-hour NHL channel. Here we go. And like my brain just about exploded on the spot. I said, so you're telling me there's a radio channel devoted to 24-hour hockey talk? And he said, yeah. And I was, I was like, who runs that? And he pointed down the hall to an office, and I could see the guy sitting at his desk. And he said, that guy, Joe. And I just marched down to Joe's office, and I knocked on his door. Joe, can I please talk to you about your channel? Yeah. And uh, he said, sure, come on in. I said, I'm blown away that this exists. I had no idea. Can can I come on your channel sometime and talk hockey? And he kind of gave me that like, oh, great. Another musician is in my office asking about the NHL channel kind of look. But yeah, yeah, yeah. was kind enough to say um, there's a show on Fridays yeah. that has guests. Okay. If you want to come on as a guest on oh, a Friday, wow. come on in. So wow. I went and did the Friday. Wicked. It went really well, I guess. And he said, hey, you want to come back next Friday? And I said, sure. And then, like, I came back the next Friday. Do you, do you have chops? Like, can you talk Harold Ballard or, like, or like what? Do you have hockey chops? I grew up playing hockey at okay. a pretty high level. Here we go. I, I Here we go. addicted to hockey. Okay, okay. So it's, the, in your, it's in your bones. My dad was my yeah. coach. Oh, listen um, to this. Um, like, I played for Goulding Park in the, in the MTHL at the time. I think it was GTHL uh, now. Uh, okay, okay. And okay. then I got moved oh, out to Markham sick. where I played for both teams. I played for... Oh, okay. And you're not supposed to do that. I think you're not supposed yeah. to play for the city team and the suburb team, but I did anyways. Mm. All-Ontario all finals. Oh, crazy, crazy. I mean... Okay. 
I, I don't think I could ever have been an NHL player, but I was so into it. You've got chops. You know, I, yes. I, I really knew the game. And you could talk. I could you could talk, talk about it. it. And so I love it. And so when I got in there on this as a guest on this show, I just felt so comfortable. I didn't feel intimidated by yeah. professional broadcasters and actual NHL people who were in the room as part of this roundtable. Right. And uh, the the guy Joe said, "You really held your own. Like it's impressive. Come on back and do it again." And I got awesome. invited back every Friday. I think for the rest of that season, I became All a right. fixture on the roundtable. And then we were having hot dogs and corn on the cob in the parking lot one day at lunch. And I said. Fun. You need a fantasy hockey show on your channel. Let me start one. And he looked at me. He paused and he went, okay. And so 12 seasons later, I'm running a fantasy hockey uh, um, show on Sirius XM's NHL Network channel every Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern. I think my co-host and I, Boomer Gordon, would do an hour of fantasy hockey talk on primetime NHL Network Radio. What are you talking about? I'm not. I, I have no. You've lost me. So you, are you making up? Because I listen to Made Up Baseball. It's a podcast where the guy sits at a mic and makes up the baseball. That's not what you're talking about. No, Fantasy what I like, did was. I, it's a long story, but my uncle ran a baseball. Well, it wasn't run, but he was a part okay. of a very deep and complicated rotisserie baseball league that I had some proximity to as a kid. Okay, okay. And I realized that the fantasy hockey scene had nothing. They hadn't, hadn't inherited or there was no osmosis going on. That The fantasy hockey scene was primitive. There, It, it needed to evolve. And I developed. This is going to sound go, so go, nerdy. Go, go, please. I developed it. my own metric to win. This is fucking. There so you go. We can leave now. I took like. I, I figured out that it's only a finite set of data. There's only like 700 NHL players. I just need to figure out a metric where I put all of the relevant data from the relevant players through a filter, spits out a single number that number that would then give me the context and the value yeah. of each player in a, in a capacity that speaks to winning a fantasy hockey league. Okay, this is neat. Hockey was obsessed with cumulative statistics. Yeah, it still yeah, is. It still is. Eleven hundred this, yes, fourteen hundred exactly. this, but. It was irrelevant to someone who wanted to win their fantasy league. I needed a rate-based measure of performance, a rate-based measure, not a cumulative perspective. And Bill James changed things for baseball by okay. developing a metric that right. spoke to things that weren't being spoken to. Right, right. So I just filled a void. I, oh, sick. I applied that same Bill James philosophy to hockey, and it turned into a radio show. Um, 13 doing, seasons. Yeah, 12 seasons. 12 seasons. And then that's what turned into an offer from Simon Schuster to write the book on fantasy hockey because, as it turns out, there wasn't one. And so we realized there was no book in this space. We were like, man, we would just fill a void by writing a book about it. So they said, go write us a book about it. So I went and I took a year of my life and I developed a book. Did you write it with Boomer? No, I wrote it myself using this metric as the basis. What's the book called? The Higgins Fantasy Index. <laughs> fuck me. <laughs> and the metric. Actually, fuck me. And this is me- unreal. And the metric is called HFI. So the number became HFI. And so the listeners to the radio show understood the value of their team, their team players through the HFI filter. You know what? I just realized this show has been is now being. Listen to this. You're gonna so laugh. No, no. This show is being syndicated on um, <laughs> on um, on um, 
on CFRU just recently. Like the, tomorrow night, Friday night is going to be the first night that it debuts. And I said I made a deal with them that I cuss a lot on the on the on the podcast, and I would edit out all the future episodes and i'm yelling out f me f me like just a minute ago i'm going oh wow i guess i'm gonna have to work hard on editing this episode now i should be more mindful of that more gentlemanly i dropped a couple myself but you know what i'm so impressed with the hfi i don't even think it's like you can't make this stuff up it's a beautiful life it it honestly afforded me some experiences i never would have anticipated never planned i didn't i just wanted to win my own league Okay, and so what I did was... So you're in a few fantasy I, hockey in, needless just to one, say. Just, just, one. just one to win. You're in I've been in this it. one league for like 20 some odd years. Charming. With the same people? The same people. Man, wow. So, like high school friends. And, Do you get together around this or like... Or if is it we just, can. Okay, if we can. But okay. it's the text there now so we don't have to. But obviously, I have you know, no, when we can, we can. So it's kind of like... All of this is basically building community when you get down exactly. to it. It's, and that's what I try to explain yeah. to every broadcaster in Canada was yeah. you're missing the boat on the value of fantasy hockey. It's the main tool and asset you have in your disposal to grow your game because it's the thing that builds community around your game. It's not the competition between these cities that – that just builds rivalry and yeah. a sense of community yeah. that way. Yeah, but it's the love. from a grassroots perspective. Right, right. you get it. I get it. Fantasy get it. Yeah. hockey is the thing that kind of connects people that don't really care about hockey. Suddenly they're like, okay, I need to know. I need a left winger for Tuesday night. Right? You're, you're beautiful, but you're really weird. This is like so strange. I warned you. I warned you. I didn't – I'm just going to take a minute. So the weird, it got weirder. I mean, it got weirder. Like, uh, I found myself in a situation where I was sitting in Sun TV's studio preparing to do a a half an hour fantasy hockey TV special. We were about to go like live to air with this thing. Yeah. I think they record it in the afternoon and then run it a few hours later. But, you know, it's all being done live on the floor with like, you know, the floor director and proper TV people. Yeah. I have no TV chops or experience yeah. whatsoever. But here I was, I, I kind of came to all of a sudden, like realizing they're counting me down and I'm about to host a TV special on my own. What's your, what's your like, so what was your vibe? It's not like, you're not like Dave Hodge. No, you're I not just going spoke in like with Dave this. Hodge energy. Yeah. You're just you. I just did okay. my, like, okay. I, cause I had, yeah, I don't have a you're not... voice or a personality. I just all I could that's do cool, was though. I think that's cool. Yeah. Was be my own self and say yeah, and this worked. is what I think. Yeah, and and you know I'm going to stand by it. I won my own league for seven years in a row using this metric. That was the okay. test. It's all the, about the, the HFI. Period. I used that tool to win my own league seven years in a row. That's what gave me the confidence to go in and say, I think this thing will help people win. Okay, we, for the love of. God, we gotta get at we gotta zoom out of HFI. Let's get out of there. But I would dig way deeper with you. It's long form, but that is a wormhole for the yes. <laughs> We're getting out. We're getting out now, gentle listener. Thank you for sticking it out with us. Right. People are like, what? No, when I listen to podcasts, I'm like, oh, you could have you Mark Mothersbaugh on Mark Marin. Oh he touched on he touched on orchestrians, which is mechanical organs from the 1800s and i'm like oh you just dabbled along there it was like a skipping stone and then we're done i would have gone like a wormhole of 45 minutes and i definitely could do that with you here on on the hfi that is a the higgins fantasy index 
Yeah, it was just to win Google my league, that. and it turned into this whole thing. Google like, that. TV, you are radio, and a book deal. I didn't. I didn't sick. I, you didn't think that was your life? I mean, life I just is wanted strange. to be, play bass. Just yeah. wanted to play bass. <laughs> I wanted to get good at playing bass. Then I wanted to yep. write songs. I wanted to get good at writing songs. What's your What's your music education? If we If we dial back to that, I talk a lot about that on this podcast. I'm interested. We all have one. What's yours? I guess in like my earliest, some of my earliest memories, my dad had like a collection of 45s, you know, um, he has a little mm-hmm. old vinyl collection mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, a lot of old time rock and roll and, um, yeah. and my dad loved music. He was always singing, always had music on and, um, and then I had some proximity to, to, you know, a professional rock band as a kid and, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so it's like, you know, I don't really remember music starting yeah. as an interest. Yeah. It's just always sort of been there. Yeah. And um, yeah. when... Kind of like hockey. It's, it's in you. It's, yeah. It's I, in don't, you. I don't remember liking hockey. It's just... A, yeah. It's just always been that way. Yeah. And, um, and hockey and music are so similar. I mean, those are the two things. I like this. That's how I've spent my whole life. I like this. Like, I, I guess I'm pretty Canadian or whatever, but like that's... My whole life has been hockey music, and when I couldn't do hockey anymore, um, uh-huh. I uh-huh. I went deep into music. Well, that's it. I I I I've always loved that about music that you can from different angles, of course, because we get arthritis, whatever. Like, yep. but you can grow old with it a little a little more elegantly than say Dan Dau, you know. Yeah, Dan Dow. Wow, that's Anyway, sorry. That's when I stopped. That's when I stopped. You know how many people just went, what? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Anyway. But that's a great pull. Number 24. He wore number 24. I just watched that Harold Ballard documentary. Oh, that's why you got the Dan And you got Rick Vive in there. And Rick Vive is actually in the doc. And he's like, it's like, I did all my radio with Rick Vive. You didn't. I did when I, I used to do because Rick Five I, is a great name too. A Five because I had done so much stuff with Sirius XM. They asked me to start going down to Wayne Gretzky's restaurant and doing three hours of radio with XNHLers there. Unreal. And so like we're back in it, guys. Uh, we tried getting out. It sucked us back in. Keep going. No, no, I can't. No, no, we, got, we got to. I'm out, I'm out. But I did a few. I did a few <laughs> nights with Rick Five. It was like a big thrill for me as a Maple Leaf fan growing up. Like for sure, Rick Five, fifty goals. Like for you know, sure. Here I was, like trying to make conversation with him about current happenings in the NHL in Wayne Gretzky's restaurant live to air. Yeah, like it was surreal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I had um. I was there once, and uh, Gretzky's dad, Walter Gretzky, was there. Right, yeah. You'd and see Walter there. I got to take a photograph with Walter Gretzky, right? And he's he's behind me, and, he, and I think he had uh, Parkinson's or something. He was pretty old, and he was he was shaking. He had his hand behind my back, and I just remember his hand was shaking. Like, like he was almost like he's drilling my uh, kidney. Oh, okay. And uh, we took a photo, and it was really uncomfortable. And I'm like, "That's good, man. It's cool." <laughs> and and you know, he's he's pretty old, and 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 yeah. he asked to see the photograph, and he made my uh, my cousin he made my cousin retake the photo like six times. So I'm he's, I'm getting drilled again, and it showed me. I'm like, he took more pride in uh, this photograph. Then I've taken in my music career. Wow. This guy is like that. And I'm like, that's how you get Wayne Gretzky, yeah, though. He has a window into That's Wayne's how you get. World. It was a bit of a window into Wayne's world. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. That's great. I love that. I, I I also saw Walter down there a couple of times. Yeah. It made me feel, um, 
yeah, like you're sort of seeing it's like a history in motion. Yeah, in right. Because he's, he's like eating soup part of the alone. Fabric, you yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. And to see him just in the bathroom, you know, or like the, the walking away from the bar, just in that context as just a regular person. Yeah, yeah, pretty, pretty cool. Yeah. Man, this is charming. I uh, so y- you've got this bit of a polymath thing going on here, where now you're you're dabbling and you want to talk about like some of your so coming out of the pandemic, you've created this beautiful space, this studio, this one room. You've got fo- I see what I see is focus. I hear focus in your work now. Um, mm. What other levers are you pulling? Uh, creatively apart from or that links to Dearly Beloved maybe I think it all does mm. uh, in in your in your work moving forward coming out of this pandemic God willing well um, I, I started writing some some ideas for films oh yeah based on experiences so like like screenplays start writing or I tried that. Yeah, I took yeah. one of the ideas yeah. and I actually wrote like a like a forty page screenplay for it, just like a short version to see what that would be like, and it was terrible. Um, you think you have that in you? Like I, the, do, I do don't. You I like don't think I do. Okay, I don't. Okay. I don't think I do. I think okay. having tried writing the screenplay, I that's really it's a discipline. Yeah, and it requires a, a real finely tuned sense that i don't think i have and so if i if i was to to make that happen it would be very accidental okay um i think what i what i might be able to do is is conceive of these stories and 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 formalize these stories and then maybe maybe someone else could like yeah maybe someone else could have the, the realize it the the yeah. talent enough to to it's a different beast eh it's a that, different thing man yeah, i didn't yeah. I, when i read it back i thought this this sucks this is this is objectively bad yeah, and uh, and um and I, i've i've heard from people i admire like david simon or other people that you know the first yeah. thing of anything sucks yeah. so you know yeah, get true, over it and true press forward true but it was a bit one of those <laughs> moments where it was like yeah i don't know i really don't know if i'm the guy for this uh-huh. um maybe uh-huh. I, you know but i do have a couple of stories i'd like to tell yeah yeah i know that much oh, that's, I, I that's do have wild. a couple of stories i'd like to tell so I have been thinking about that. I don't know if it's something I can actually make happen. It, it might be a pipe dream. Um, you want to talk a little bit about what slow pineapple? I see a pineapple on the floor here. Right. Well, so when I was um, when I was putting out Dearly Beloved records, I met a label that started putting. They put out two of the Dearly Beloved records, yeah. and that label was also working in other capacities, um, specifically the publishing world. Okay. And developing songs and developing a catalog to pitch to to uh, management companies and to pitch to other artists, to pitch for film and television. Right. And I sort of fell into those operations mm. at, at the label mm. and found myself um, essentially working full-time, part-time for the label on the side as a writer and producer in Los Angeles mm. developing songs for their catalog. Wow. And so my gig was essentially go to L.A., recruit a bunch of talented folks to write yeah. songs with. Yeah. And then every month produce, on average, um, eight new songs written, recorded, and mixed. 
Um, and then I would have to send them back to the office in Toronto and they would go into the catalog. And often those, amazing, uh, those sessions were based on briefs. Okay. So, you know, we, um, we'd like to get, uh, this month, a bunch of songs that, uh, Looney spent, Tunes. you know, yeah. Portugal, the man. Okay. Meets, get, yeah. Okay. Meets, okay. Okay. You know, whoever. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Yeah. Let's and, do that. No, let's hybrid it. Let's do the, what is that? A, a centaur? Portugal, the man meets, um, um, come on, come on. I'm trying to think of another country band, Europe, the band Europe. There you go. That's not, that's not a country. That's a continent. So I'm an idiot. Let's do another one. This is fun. Um, the centaur of bands. The top half is Portugal, the man, and the bottom (laughs) half is, um, uh, uh, Engelbert Humperdinck. (laughs) Portugal the Dink. <laughs> that's what I was going for. Oh, I yeah, see what you're yeah, trying to yeah. do. This oh, is great. Oh, so we can do a, this all day. Layer. That's this great. This is a new game. Portugal the Dink. You can't beat a name like that. See, that's way better than Dearly Beloved. That's Portugal a, the Dink. I can't even, now, you yeah, know what I mean? Another name for I'm this gonna podcast. To, I'm going to have to quit. Portugal the Dink. That's great. Yeah. Okay. So that's really cool. What a musical adventure. So so does, is this ongoing? Um, slow pineapple then is the project. It's like where you put that creative energy, Rob. Well, that is slow pineapple. So basically, I was in Los Angeles doing all this stuff every month. I would spend two weeks in Los Angeles, two weeks in Toronto. And yeah, yeah. I did it for about four years. Wow. And and I had to put together a team of folks to do this this stuff for the for this company okay and one of the folks that i was fortunate enough to meet was a guy named tyler beans he's okay. an engineer at the time he was working for a producer named rick rubin <laughs> who most people are familiar with now and um and chris thorne who um most well known for playing in a band called Blind Melon uh-huh. was hosting some of the sessions I was doing at his studio and, and he asked me one day, Do you need an engineer for today's session? I said, I do. Wow. He introduced me to Tyler. Okay. And we sort of hit it off and I brought him in. I said, like, You want to do this gig full time? And he became like the full time engineer on the gig. We you This know, is cut awesome. to years later, um, you know, Tyler and I were involved in writing close to two hundred songs for that catalog for the y- publishing company. This is brittle building style like goodness. Well yeah. it was like we That's did a hundred we, we counted it actually we did hundred and thirty four of the songs in an eighteen month span. Another fun fact regarding yeah. those sessions is yeah. of those near two hundred songs we yeah. wrote for that company. Yeah. Um, every single one was done in a single day. So we would oh, meet fun. the person There's in the, the morning. Challenge. There's the challenge. We would meet the person in the morning, like 11 or something, at the space that we were going to do this. Yeah. And we would Workaholic. Conceive, a, conceive of a song. 4 a.m., you're done. Yeah. Dinner. Wow, look like, at you. You've, I mean, like, like we gotten... powered. The beginning, it was 4 a.m., okay. for sure. Like, the first few months, we were like, yeah, 4 a.m., we got to get this mix done. So y- you, and Tyler, while, you and Tyler have this one-two punch. He's kind of engineering. You've, you've, you work really well together. It's a different that's timing. That's how it started. He was a yeah. master engineer, having okay. come up through Rick yeah. Rubin's system. Yeah, no doubt. I was a, 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 a master nothing, but I, I had great enthusiasm for producing this music for the, for the company. And I knew what they needed, so yeah. You still I, doing this? Um, Ish. Not in an, any official capacity. Okay. There's okay. still some connectivity there. Sounds like a beautiful way to cut your teeth, in, in so many ways, like, it was like a, it was a great experience. I got yeah. to meet a lot of folks yeah. in yeah, LA, yeah, yeah, and I got yeah. to understand uh, how some things in that city work. Anyways, on mm-hmm. on a music level, and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I was afforded some great experiences. Uh, we got to work with some talented folks like James DeSalvio from Brand Van, and wow. and um, 
Neat. You know, you know, it was a, yeah. a really great time, and, and oh, it sounds beautiful. And we learned a lot. Yeah, um, and we got paid. Yeah, amen. Which for musicians, you know, it's, yeah. it's like a wonderful thing to get paid for the thing that you you're trying to get better at. What do you do now with that muscle? Like, do you, you, there's a lot of learning. It sounds like it was a very rich time and experience. Like, do you do you want to channel some of that energy back into that style of a like have, after having seen that? Do you? Do you want to do more in that realm? To a degree, yeah. Like um, Tyler and I worked together as a production duo. There you go. That's what was sort of born okay. out of it, and that's okay. what sli- Slow Pineapple is. We got we got, we got the there. answer. We, we got, got the there. answer. Okay, cool, so cool, cool. That, that's what – basically what happened was as the pandemic hit, the company laid everybody off. So we were all just sitting there going, okay, now what do we do? Mm. And so Tyler and I leaned into our the muscle – and we continued to do it, okay. um, but in a different okay. capacity. We we found another company to to pair us up with talent with, and okay. so we did some sessions in LA with a different company. Okay, and, okay, uh, okay. That's got, it. That's what I was going for. Is did you find another avenue to kind of get back to it somewhat in a new did. way? We did, yeah, okay, in good, a new good, way. Good, there's good, a there's good. a big company that Great. has offices around the world, and we were fortunate enough to have one of their A and R folks come to us and be like, hey. Yeah. Would you be interested in doing what you do with some of our Australian artists? There you go. There and, you go. Wow. And it was wow. so we wrote with like, um, wow, like twenty-three-year-old Australian pop singers from Eurovision Australia and whatnot. Fun, and, fun. And uh, for a like a rock and roll guy, yeah, it was a, it was great. I got to live out all my pop fantasies. You know, all wow. those wow. songs by the Beatles and and um, and. Um, you know, Tears yeah. for Fears, yeah. bands that, yeah. you know, that yeah. you love, that yeah. you can listen to forever, that don't necessarily get put yeah. on in the van when you're yeah. touring. Right, right. It was exactly. great. Nicely put. Yeah. It was great yeah. to to yeah. dive into all that yeah. stuff and yeah. to figure out what, you know, what do those songs share that, <clears throat> that makes them resonate so well. This is like, yeah, and I really feel like the pe- people shit pardon my french people uh are kind of down on where the music industry is where it's going and but there's so many creative like realm cr- creative paths and you're you're showing that here. and the tools like, have been democratized like let's you know yeah you, yeah, you, you don't need a lot of dough. Well, you were running around with a hard drive in your early days there with uh, with 16 Gilly years ago i feel like now you're ahead of the curve because now everyone's doing it on their phones. Like it's, it's you, the core of it is creativity. It's not the tools you're, well, it is the tools too, but I, I, I had that thought at one point yeah. too. Is like, if I was doing that now, like that would be normal. Right. That's what exactly. people do is they exactly. go around with their hard drives and they build exactly. a record over time. Exactly. But back yeah. then it was like, that's not how you make a, a, right. a record. Of, Properly. Properly. Yeah. 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 And yeah. I just, I didn't have the means to make a record properly. That's the only way I could, Hobble a cobble, hobble, yeah. cobble a record together. Uh, we're wrapping up, but this is, I want to let you know, just been a joy to get a window in, a really? glimpse into your really. Um, Thanks, where do you want to go from here with your creative life? Where do you see the next few years taking you? Well, you know, I spent a lot of time during the pandemic studying um, the technical aspects of making music. I saw that it's, you mixed, you did a lot of the mix, yeah, like yeah. mixing. Um, okay, okay. The actual stuff that I felt I always should have known, 
And yeah. I felt like if I was going to, that's, I, I just spent four years being a producer in LA and I was like, if I'm going like, to call myself a producer, shouldn't I know what like 4k means? Mm-hmm. You know, like, shouldn't I understand, hear it, like feel shouldn't it. I understand yeah, 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 more yeah, than yeah, I yeah. do. Cause yeah, I didn't feel, yeah. I felt uh, uneducated on so many levels. So yeah. I looked at the pandemic as an opportunity well, because I, you know, we all had to deal with our circumstances. Yeah. Mine, where I was trapped in this room, yeah. And luckily, I'd spent most of my life slowly acquiring things to put in this room. So thankfully, it was all yep. here when it ha- had happened. Yep, yep. And so yep. I just dove into learning everything I possibly could. I was yep. up all night, like, yeah, for months on end, like wearing a robe, looking like an, an the dude. Un- yeah, yeah. Kept person. Yeah, yeah. Just because I was so into certain things. Like, I, uh-huh. you know, and then once I realized I could mix, I know enough now I could mix something. Mm-hmm. And I started mixing things uh-huh. and they actually sounded good. I was like, it wow. felt so good yeah. that uh, it just fueled learning more and more. So yeah, yeah. I guess I'm in a place now where a couple folks are coming to me and saying, hey, could you help me make a recording? I want to do this. I like what you did with your band. Do you yeah. think we could like yeah. maybe figure a way to do something with it my thing? It sounds great. It sounds really? great. Yes. Thanks, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, you know, that record was kind of like my thesis paper in a way if you right. want to look at it academically because I yeah. it was yeah. the practical part of the learning. Yeah. I I, I see it. You know, I hear it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I, so I you want to start producing records? I guess I might. I might. Have yeah. you done that for other bands? Not like, really. I mean, oh, I've, I've acted as yeah. a producer professionally in in this yeah. songwriting capacity, but I've never. Yeah, yeah. You know. So you have it in you. You don't feel like that would be like you'd be nervous and you'd you'd peter out or you you wouldn't be able to carry it through to fruition. You've done it. Like you have that. I think I understand the pathology yeah. enough. Yeah, and that's a good word. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it ain't about the technology, it's about the pathology. I think it's more about the pathology than the <laughs> There's technology. There's the lesson, kids. Yeah. Uh this episode has been chock full of them. Where do people learn more about your work, Rob? Where's the best place to to steer them? I guess um, I social media, which I'm terrible at and really rarely take part in, but like Dearly Beloved has accounts under the name The Beloveds. Yep. So you can usually catch up with us on Instagram or Facebook or, or Twitter, okay. um, but they're poorly serviced. I'll, I'll be Great. the first to admit it. I'm just, I'm just not into it. And, Whatever. Understood. And, and I, I know I, why. Good. I, I'm usually, Fine. I, don't, I can't document the shit I'm doing no while apologies. I'm doing it. No apologies. That's kind of how I feel about it. So Good. Great. I, I put out what I can when I can, but like, I don't... Yeah. If I yeah. spent, like, you know... Yeah. The time it takes to do it well, I... Right. Exactly. I, I hear you. So, well it, so you can find us there, but... Um, Good. Yeah, temper your expectations. Okay. But, yeah, and we're going to tour. There's... Some stuff going to happen soon, but we're going to actually yep. be a touring band again in a minute. Oh, so, how fun. How yeah. fun. I, mean, I know. It's been a long time. We haven't played a show since... Well, we've played one show since January 30th, 2020. Yeah, so Whoa. That's for a band that had okay. chopped up... Racked, yes, or yes, racked yes. up like 28 yeah. countries or something. You know. You're going to get back to that then in this year, you think? Yeah. Yeah, that's it's, the spirit. It's, yeah, I'm. Yeah, it's like I'm bursting to tell people what's about to happen. I, I good, I good. Can't say it. Uh, look up the beloveds on Instagram and all other socials. And uh, and what do you want to go out on? Let's play a tune. Oh, um, um, there's a rec- a song on our new record called All Hat, and um, 
our drummer Aaron, who's with us for like the last five, six years, yeah, had a really tough time uh-huh. during the pandemic, and uh, we're all really happy he's doing great now. Mm-hmm. And so it's the one song on the record he got to play on. Awesome. So awesome. let's play uh, All Hat for Aaron. Love you, bro. Thank you. I love you. Thank you very much. Appreciate your Thanks, work. Man.
That was All Hat from Dearly Beloved's new record, Walker Park. Check it out. Go uh, go to Instagram at The Beloved's and follow them. They've just announced a tour. So, Rob, thank you so much. Very excited to be able to announce that. Uh, opening for Bass Drum of Death. They're doing a across Canada tour, it looks like, starting in uh, in late May. So get on board. Thank you again, Rob, for, um, for coming on the podcast. It was a delight to reconnect with you. And if you want to learn more about my music and the podcast, go to my new website, friendlyrich.com. And thank you to our friends at CFRU for uh, for supporting the podcast and re-airing these episodes every Friday night from 10 till midnight. Uh, and we'll see you again very soon on Industry Tactics. Take care, everybody.